0: Today, we have another special guest that joins the pod Captain Sandy, a renowned super yacht captain with over 30 years of international maritime experience, who is best known as a star of the hit reality series Below Deck Mediterranean. Captain Sandy has broken through the proverbial glass ceiling to achieve the highest status in a male dominated industry, where a female captain is a rarity. In her debut book, Be the Calm or Be the Storm, Leadership Lessons from a Woman at the Helm, she is sharing the leadership skills and critical thinking she displays as a captain to empower anyone to navigate their way to a successful life. Captain Sandy and I dive into her journey through sobriety over the last 30 years and how it's impacted her life, the art of self-leadership, communicating with kindness, The power of apologizing, how a motorcycle accident completely changed her life, why she decided to join Below Deck against everyone's feedback, the currency of giving back, checking our motives, being honest with ourselves, and lastly, filling our own cup. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? loves you, loves you. And 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 I, so I put this thing out on social media. I was like, am I having Captain Sandy on? What what do people have questions? What are you guys interested in? And she was like, She's my hero. But there there's one thing, a piece of feedback or thing that she had said about you that I think beautifully captures from my perspective who you are as a person. Because I'm I'm pouring through YouTube comments, people commenting about your podcast that you just recently launched. And so I reached out to some of those fans, and this was a direct quote from her. But it is so refreshing to see a strong woman on reality TV who is a mentor, sees the potential in people, gives them a chance, and also empowers them to push their limits so they can learn and succeed. And I thought that was so perfect from my perspective, because again, I don't watch a show, but reading everything people are talking about you since what two thousand and fifteen, it really summarized it nicely. I'm so curious when it when it comes to leadership for you, how do you handle the balance between compassion and empathy and it also ensuring that you're not walked you know over, and was there someone or something? in your life that really helped you master that balance throughout the years?
1: You know, honestly, I'm sober. So I have to give, you know, credit there. I worked at 12 Steps and I have a sponsor and I'm still sober today. The person I used to be when I was using, I probably wasn't that gracious. Mm. Uh, Through the work I've done on myself, you know, with my own actions, character building, you know, eliminating the characteristics that really don't work. And, you know, having that opportunity to change as a human being, that is really why the why and the how is because I work the 12 steps. The thing is, is on a daily basis for me, right? That's not for everybody. Everybody has their own journey. And I had to learn to not make it about me to be selfless, kind, tolerant, patient, All those things that I wanted in my life, I had to become. Years ago, I was complaining and my sponsor at the time said to me, Sandy, all these things you're complaining about, why don't you emulate that? Just practice that in your personal life. If you want to have someone be honest with you, be honest. If you want brutal honesty, be brutally honest. But also there's a fine line there where you you know, have to say, okay, if I share information, is it going to hurt another person? Am I doing it to relieve my conscience because I feel guilty or am I doing it to actually share that? Hey, this is a problem for me. I need to talk to you about it, not to like ugh, vomit on someone and feel better about myself, but what is my motive and what would the direct result be to that person or someone connected to them because when I was out there you know experimenting with drugs and alcohol I was a Tasmanian devil like I was like this I was rolling through you know and I was so blissfully ignorant that I couldn't understand why people were so upset with me so what I learned in early recovery was it's not about me you know work on myself, build my character and learn the art of self-leadership. And that means checking my ego at the door. I don't know everything and just making sure that I'm a whole person before I try to lead others or even in a relationship. Like they say, if you want to change and you want to grow, get into a relationship because you mirror that that mirror will be there. And honestly, you know, uh, being in this relationship with Leah, We talk about communication. We talk about how to communicate and it's not sometimes content of the communication is triggers for people, but you have to learn to be able to get through those triggers so you can communicate with kindness. Like, you know, we have our disagreements and you know, we have to remind each other, Hey, listen, it's, this is the content, but let's be kind in the delivery. That's not always easy because we are human beings and we have emotions. So for me, that fine line, mentoring people on board, I make sure I check myself in my cabin that I'm a whole individual and I'm not taking a, you know, an argument or a disagreement I've had with a family member or someone else and taking it out that door and taking it out on a crew member. Trust me, I've done it in the past. I've you know, and I promptly admitted when I was wrong. And that's another thing like you will, we make mistakes. And what I've learned is just say you're sorry. That is such a freeing experience emotionally, internally. I apologize. You did not deserve this. I said that to my first officer years ago. I just had a massive phone call with a broker. I was upset. I come out, I bite his head off and he just looked at me mortified. And I just thought, you did not deserve that, and I, I said I was sorry, and he accepted my apology. And you know, I learned from that, and and now I've learned the art of pause before I respond. For a lot of people, it's just me, you know. So I I try not to do that anymore. But you know, it, it's listen. I'm 57. I've had a lot of years of practice. I'm over 30 years sober, and it's practice. It's like if you want to look good. You go to the gym. If you want to be a better human being, it takes work, you know? So that's, that's kind of the reason I wrote this book, you know, because I want to share my experience, strength, and hope with someone else through stories. And there's a chapter in there that's dedicated to my young self. That was a, you know, a mess and how I got out of it into one of the greatest careers in my life, being a yacht captain.
0: There, there's a lot to unbundle there. I, I love how you, you put this, but it seems like there's been a couple events. I mean, there's many, right? Our growth is a culmination of all of the experiences and things that are happening to us, or we think maybe happening to us, right? But you had a motorcycle accident back in will be seven years in in February, and if it wasn't for that accident there wouldn't have been the discovery of cancer. So you got this, the second opportunity. And here you are too, explaining this process that you've gone through of being sober. And it was almost like what I'm hearing is that had those things maybe not happened, who would I be today? I'm I'm thankful that I went through those experiences.
1: Yes. You know, I was sober. I was sober when I had that crash. I was actually on my way to the Miami boat show to meet, The guy who actually taught me how to drive a boat. We were going to go boat shopping together. And, you know, my life has been spared so many times. I had that crash to discover kidney cancer. And I was like, you know, I love God. And I'm like, dude, like, did you have to use like that measure to tell me about (laughs) kidney cancer? Couldn't have been a little easier. Uh, What it did for me was slow me down. And it, you know, as a result, I went through a breakup. The person that was with me wanted out didn't know how to get out, that was a perfect time for them to leave because I didn't know how to leave. And it was like motorcycle crash, kidney cancer, breakup. And I think th- those three months, and then the phone call for below deck while I was in the hospital to be on the show. My journey was meant to take a left. You know, I was not meant to stay on that road sometimes you know they say this in recovery sometimes you know you can have a wake-up call just by waking up other times you need to be hit over the head (laughs) i had to be hit by a car you know so it woke me up and it changed my direction and that's why i am where i am today because that it a lot of things changed within three months it was very difficult and it was hard to get through. I was surrounded with great friends. I stayed sober through it. And look at me now. I'm with the love of my life. You know, the TV show's great. Uh, Bravo does an incredible job at, you know, reaching millions of people and showing them our industry, which has never really been revealed before. And people are like, oh, my God, I can work in the yacht world. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's for anyone who wants to work hard.
0: So didn't a lot of people before you joined the show were like, don't do it, Sandy, don't do it. Yes. And you talk about, oh, my my life took this left-hand turn and you were like, hey, uh, watch this. I'm going to do it because it's my life and I get to do it. But you you were also someone through this research that I've been doing that you love, love a good challenge. Was, Were there other indicators giving you this, no, you should do it? Or was it because you were like, you want to know what? I want a challenge. I want, a, I want to do something different here. And I really don't care what anybody else thinks this is my life and I'm going to do what I want. Like, what was that driver that you went the opposite of everybody else's suggestions?
1: So I believe like back in the day, we were all concerned about the TV show because it would ruin our careers. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why we thought like that. I really don't. I thought to myself, because I learned this in early sobriety is that I was taught this years ago, you know, when you ask for help and you keep crying for help, you get the two lifeboats in the helicopter, you know, like to me, it's like, okay, that was a lifeboat that said, Hey, board me. Cause you're going to go in a different direction. It was faith at the same time. I thought to myself, it has knocked on my door. I didn't seek it. I didn't pursue it. It came to me. And when things are really like this, then you should take advantage of that because there's a reason it's being presented to you. Uh, I struggled with it a little bit. People told me not to. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. If I don't like it, there's no love loss. I've only gained. And I can always go back and, you know, work full time as a captain. Best thing I ever did was do that show. The first season was hard for me. I had to learn how to navigate the cameras, you know, the crew. And cause I didn't, I don't hire them. Uh, so that was hard, but now I'm, you know, seven years in and man, it's incredible. Like when I go, it's hard work. Don't get me wrong. It's not a lot of sleep. And I have to check my ego at the door along with making sure I'm, you know, is everything okay before I walk out? Because anyone can get triggered and you're responsible. I'm responsible for lives. So I need to make sure that I'm, you know, cool under pressure, which over the years I've learned how to do that. And, you know, and lead with kindness and compassion, because that's really what I want to do. And when people want to take that next step, I want to help them because I feel like someone did it for me. Like I got to pay it forward. That really works. The best currency and Denzel Washington talks about this. Is giving back because you can't put a price tag on how that feels yes of course we all have to make money but I'm talking about that mental health that self confidence that currency within us and that is being selfless and giving back and of course we all want to make money and you know I'm I'm there because I want to help people and the money, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money.
0: Right. Well, I always say that I, I love that by Denzel Washington, by the way, the the currency of the world is is not a piece of paper or coins. It is certainly the exchange of value. The dollars, that metal, that paper is a byproduct of adding value to people's lives. That becomes secondary. I a couple of my team's my sales teams, I I tell them all the time, don't go in with the intention of selling someone. Go in with the intention of adding value and supporting someone because that authenticity and that extension of a hand is what most of us as humans are looking for. This is why, you know, some content creators have blown up over the years or good people have got into the spotlight. And, you know, this kind of connects back to what you were saying earlier. There is a clear distinction between fate and destiny, right? And a lot of people get those crossed up, but fate is when someone bumps into you and says, hey, do you want to be on the show? Destiny is when you take the action and the initiatives and say, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this because I believe in myself that I can do this. And that's the difference. And most people think that those things are laid out. Fate is the The chance that that thing happened. Destiny is the follow through your behaviors, your actions to seize that moment and go and do that thing because you think it's the best thing for your life or other people around you.
1: That's right. That's, I love that. Yes, I love how you explain that. You're absolutely right because, yeah, we have so many opportunities that come in front of us and we decide not to take that road. And I decided to, and so many people miss that, but Hey, you know what? And the other part for me is just doing the next right thing. And I think if you do that every day, you know, when you're internally what the next right thing is, we were all given a consciousness. We know what is right and wrong from little kids. Like even animals know right and wrong, like a dog, like you, it, everybody can be taught and I don't know, just do the next right thing. And for me, choosing that was the next right thing for me in my life. And then as a result of that, I'm touching so many more lives, which is really cool. And I just feel blessed. And now it's like, I said to Leah, when you get in the fifties club, you don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know how to say that. It's like, you just don't care what other people think that all changes. Like you just don't care what their opinions and you know, you're like, is it hurting anyone? Is it helping anyone? Is it hurting me or helping me? Then that's a yes. You know, if it's, if the yes is it's helping and helping, that's a yes. Ask yourself questions. I was, I was always taught, check your motives, like the why, check your motives. And then always think about the worst case scenario. And I do in every decision I make, what is the worst case scenario? Can I live with that? If it's a yes, then I'll make the decision. If it's a no, then I'll, I'll choose not to.
0: That that question is is something that so many more of us need to deploy, the worst case scenario, because I, I always say our brains are the craziest factories. They can build and manufacture anything that they want to manufacture. But the question is, what toxic byproduct or things are you manufacturing up there? And what is the impact to your external environment based on your the SOP in your your manufacturing plant up there. And that question, what's the worst case scenario? We do such a good job of convincing ourselves that the whole world will implode if I make this decision. It's like, well, is that really the case? And how often when you've thought of the worst case scenario, has that actually happened for you? Probably rarely, if not ever, Right, and your line of work may be a, a little different in the physical aspect right, of, a, of your career, but for most people, that just truly isn't the case.
1: Yes. And you know, self-honesty is such a huge part of that decision-making of the best case and worst case scenario. And if you don't have that, it's never really going to work out for you. It, it's like, I'll give you an example. There's a teenager and uh, my nephew. When he first started smoking pot. And I said to him, You can you can make your own decisions. Just don't lie to yourself. You can lie to me, you can lie to Eric, you know, you can say you're not. It doesn't matter. Just don't lie to yourself. When you wake and bake, it's a problem. If you're waking and baking, that's when you need to check yourself. And that self-honesty goes from drug use, alcohol use, to, you know, staying in a relationship or cheating on someone, like it's in all of those scenarios, because it's just self-honesty is so huge. And if you can be honest with yourself, man, it opens so many doors. Because when you're honest with yourself, it just, it's freedom. Because you're able to say, hey, yeah, that's, you know, I'm waking and baking, or I'm, you know, if I share this about myself, it makes me vulnerable or if I take a risk on someone and they don't do their job, it reflects on me as a captain. Of course it does, but that's self-honesty. And that's that worst case scenario. If I hire a crew member and I had a a crew member that just kept crashing our little tender, like not little, you know, it was a half million dollar tender (laughs) and I was like, his name was Tom. And I'm just like, this was years ago, but I never gave up on him. And I kept saying to myself, I will take that risk. I know the worst case scenario, he's going to damage the tender. I got to, you know, ask for the money to fix it. I have to explain why it was damaged to the owner and go through all of that paperwork. But I didn't want to give up on him. And I'm glad I didn't because he turned his life around. That's
0: awesome. That is, it that has got to be, you know, I, I find one of the most challenging one. I mean, there are many things about leadership that are challenging, but one of the the challenging pieces is, Is this person going to turn this around and where is this point of, I don't want to say no return, but the ROI for me or them just isn't there. For you, is that main identifier that worst case scenario or is there something else that you have really just come in tune with over the years?
1: Over the years, I've learned to sit down and talk to people, ask questions, find out who they are. I think every CEO should do that in a company. It's like go out and actually say hello to your people. Not say, how's your job going? But who are you? Who have I employed? You know, what is your story? And that's why I make a point to have a dinner or a lunch with every one of them. You'll see on the show, I'm always in the crew mess sitting down trying to eat. I find the opportunity where they're sitting and it's a casual conversation. And then I ask about siblings and, you know, their life. And when I do that, they feel that I'm invested in them because I am. And then when I hear their story, that's when I decide they are worth it. I think everybody's worth it. But when someone has that 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 drive, even just a mustard seed of it, they are worth it. Now, there's a point where you go, okay, listen, I've done everything I can. At this point, I have a job to do. So I'm so sorry I have to let you go. But I hope that you learn from this and go work on that. And find another boat i you know I'll help you with a reference, and that's what I do like there is a line everybody knows their line. it's personal to them. It's you know in leadership or if you're running a company, it's going to affect your position if you don't make sure that listen, we all have to make money for the people we work for. If we're not doing that, we're not producing we'll be let go. <laughs> I always say this. If you make them money, you have a job. If you cost them money, you don't have a job anymore. That's the (laughs) captain. I try not to cost them them money. I try to make them money. And then how I do that is invest in my team. And I do that by taking my personal time and sitting with them and getting to know them. That's the investment. Uh, Colin Powell talks about it. I don't know if you've seen his leadership speech, but it's really cool. It was an interview, a white house briefing. And he talked briefly about when he was in the army and how, you know, he, they'll follow you just out of curiosity. And that's what you want to create where they follow you even out of curiosity, because you are such, you have such impact on their lives. And that takes time. It's sometimes it's tiring. Sometimes you just don't want to do that. But when you're in a leadership role, that's your responsibility. In my opinion, you're here to lead them, not just here, do your job, you know, and make sure they're equipped to do their job. But there's that other level where they will if you invest in them they will follow you even out of curiosity and that's how i've always led my teams because someone invested in me like that after i got clean
0: it this goes back almost to our point around you know adding value the currency the money just follows after because then they do a better job they show up they support you they support other members of the team and this was my thing my first mentor he gave me the opportunity out of the gate. And I've always felt, I don't want to say this like debt because then there's this like attached obligation. I do it out of my heart because someone saw something in me and I have just continued to roll and and pay that back. And I had an employee uh, a, a while ago. This was a few years ago, but her boyfriend was extremely abusive. And there was a point where I felt that I couldn't talk through or to what she was experiencing. And I had interviewed someone on this podcast, Phenomenal Woman, and she was so authentic about her story and her uh, abuse that she went through. And I had reached out to her and I connected the two of them because and she was kind enough to take that phone call and call her and just kind of bring her through her story and her experience and that was an absolutely priceless moment. It went beyond a paycheck. It went beyond benefits. It went, it went beyond all of those other things. And I think as leaders, we need to do more of that. It is not just a person coming at a human being that has a family, that has a life, that that has their own challenges and in, in their own mountains that they're trying to climb every day. And if you teach someone that, it's this ripple effect of throwing a stone out into the lake you know it goes all the way to the shoreline and and i just that is so priceless as leaders
1: when you help another person the return the roi is incredible internally and that and hey even if i let's i'm going to use malia so I'm going to use her because she's on, she was on TV and she one day was on Anchor Watch and she, I was talking to her, Bobby and Wes on the bridge and I'm like, okay, so what's next? Cause you know, TV's here today, gone tomorrow. So what's next? And Malia, so we went through, Wes was going on to get his uh, master mariner or, you know, become a master mariner. Bobby, I'm not really sure. I don't really remember. I think he was kind of like trying to figure it out. And Malia looked at me because I said, you'd make a great captain, Malia. We need more women. And she said, no, Cap, I just want to, I want to just be a dive instructor. And so after that conversation, I went to bed. The next day I woke up and she had been on Anchor Watch. She goes, did you see what I wrote in the log? And I said, no, I didn't check. She goes, I looked up all my courses so I could take a captain's course. So then she pursued something, I don't know, maybe on her anchor watch, maybe she sat there and thought, oh my God, I could be in charge of this. I can lead people. I can run this vessel. Look at us. It's a, I have no idea what went through her mind, but the next day she changed her mind about what she wanted to do with her future. And since that day, she has only pursued the maritime industry And now I think she's being promoted now from second officer to first officer. Wow.
0: That's remarkable.
1: That one little conversation on the bridge really impacted their lives. And I can't tell you through the seasons, taking the time, being selfless and other focused and saying, Hey, what do you guys want to do? Like, I don't know. I just think it's so important for people in a leadership role to ask, to ask your people, Talk to them, get to know them. It isn't like you got to spend every day walking the floor, getting to know, you know, how's it going? Is your, you know, how's your kids? But you need to make that effort because it's so important. We're not there. I, I worked for a guy once and I walked up to him and I go, I'm not a machine. You can't expect me to work day in and day out without having rest and breaks. And even engines need downtime to change the oil. <laughs>
0: Right. I'm love. i
1: not an engine. And finally he got it. And when I, I thought to myself, I will never lead anyone the way I was led on that particular boat. People need to know that you care, that you are invested in them as much as you want them to be invested in the job they're doing. Right. And, and,
0: and these little seeds, you know, can be applied if, if you're listening and, you know, you're not in a leadership position. It is so easy when you're crossing the street, to smile at someone and say, hey, love your outfit or hold the door for someone. Back to your point around the feeling internally what that does. But then the other person, it's kind of like, you know, we've all heard those stories where you go and get coffee and someone's like, hey, I'll pay for the car behind me. And then all of a sudden, 20 cars have just, you know, paid for the person behind them. These seeds of life blossom into massive, massive trees of of value and giving. And it's like, imagine how many times throughout the day. We have the opportunity to do these things. I mean, heck, most of us waste time on really ridiculous things every day. What's two minutes to say something nice to someone or hold the door for someone or pay for a coffee? It doesn't even have to be money, right? right. It's just it's just time.
1: That's it. time, time. that's yes. it is it is crazy, like when you think about it. it you know, I get lots of messages and my phone numbers out there like I don't I if i can take the call I'll take the call um, i do my best to be present for people but sometimes it's a little overwhelming in taking that time so there is a balance right so you can't you know don't forget that you are a priority for yourself right so and like you said even if you're not in a leadership role you're the self leadership that's really what i talk a lot about is self leadership to lead others you need to lead yourself first and that is making sure that you're hydrated you know, that halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. They talk about that halt. If you take care of all those things first, be kind, be selfless, other focused. Those things really take you to the next level in life when that feel good factor internally. And when you do that and it's internal, you radiate positivity and it affects change. How many times have you walked up to someone and they're in a great mood and maybe you're not in a great mood. Next thing you know, you're smiling. And I use music. The power of music can change everything. If you're in a bad mood, like you're driving to work and I do a lot of speaking and I talk about how I put music on in my cabin because on the show, we can't really play music to change my way of thinking because sometimes I just had, I'm exhausted. I don't want to deal I walk out of my cabin, I play a cool song where it like pumps me up and I walk out and I feel like, Oh, I could just conquer the world. And for people who drive to work, that's their time in the car, right? If they drop their kids and they have that time between, you know, dropping someone off to the job where they get to refocus and just fill that soul. And that's really what it's about for me. It's like filling that soul That internal currency. So when you walk in the presence of others, you just radiate that because you're taking care of yourself. You can't do everything all the time without filling that cup. You got to fill your own cup. And that's really, really important to be able to lead others is leading yourself. I I
0: love this. The the point you just made around smiling. How easy is it? It's so contagious. There was a, a viral video a while ago where a woman's like, follow along with me, ha, ha. And she kept on repeating that for like, I don't know how many times she did it, 10, 15 times. And eventually you just start laughing at it. You know, just because you're watching someone else laughing, all of a sudden you can feel your lips moving up, you know, getting the wrinkles in the corner of your mouth. Yeah. It is it is so easy to pass off of these these things because we're all going through our own things every single day. And when someone gives you the opportunity, says something nice, holds a door open, does those things for you, you go, Oh wow, as a human being that may be lost, maybe in a dark place, maybe, you know, having a bad day they go, look at this. There's opportunity. There's hope for me. And hope is one of those things. It's a fuel that it can never run out. It is the most efficient fuel in the world. So if you give someone hope, imagine how long in perpetuity someone can grab onto that hope too as well.
1: This is awesome. Absolutely. Like you're awesome, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I love this. Thank you for having me on your show. I really, This is so great because you know, I have a family. It's so funny when they say, give, give to Bill's kids or give to someone's kids. I'm like, I give to you. I give to the Sandy family. (laughs) You know, we all have those families and I love my family and you know, not everyone's as blessed as others financially. And that's another part of it, right. To being selfless with your money, your own. Okay. So the currency, the, that internal currency, but also the currency that you earn. And I, I always say to people, it's not like this. It's like this, both hands open. So you give and you receive. It's a give, give. It's not a give, take. Right. And to me, when someone's in need financially and I can do it, I do it if they're helping themselves. Right. So there's that other type of kindness. And I start with my family because they, some of my family members aren't as as blessed financially as I am, but that's, I'm grateful that I can give. And every time that I do that, it comes back tenfold. And I'm not, I, you know, I don't go and donate money. You know, I started a charity. Now my sister has a charity and I have a charity now, and I'm trying to raise money for a high school program. It's a lot of work. Let me tell you, it is (laughs) not easy. I'm like pulling my hair out. It is so hard to do that. And it's, It is because I want to get a high school program into the schools across the country for kids who do, who are not college bound, who can learn about the maritime industry. And, you know, that costs money. And I'm thinking, well, I've spent a lot of money on the upfront. And for me, the ROI is, oh, my God, the work that it takes. I have all the admiration for people who are in not for profit business. And, you know, I know the perseverance if I stay true to this it will pay off and these kids will I will get this in school program and you know as an elective for these teachers and an alternative to college for some of these parents who can't afford to send their kids to college so that currency right so for me it's like yes I want to do that and there's that part too which is important I think if you have it to be able to give it. Well, I I think
0: you know what what you've hit on here is just like the planet has this balanced ecosystem, you know, you put a whole nose on layer, okay, there there's going to be issues. You cut down all the trees, there's going to be issues, dry up, you know, all of our waterways, there's going to be issues, right? It's this What does the ecosystem look like, or what do you want your ecosystem to look like? And if you do not have or have one of those things, it can greatly enhance the life on your individual planet, as well as the other people that are sitting on the same continent as you. And what you you have done with this example, the physical example that you just gave here, with your both of your hands open, that's that balance of that ecosystem that you've created, and you have found that oh. Okay, here's how it works. If I have the right oxygen, the right amount of air, the right land, cultivating the right a uh, uh, food sources, then I have this ecosystem that is one of balance. And so that means that the ecosystem, like that greenhouse effect, always pays back. It rains, and then it gets humid, and it gets absorbed, and then it rains again, and feeds all of the the plants. You have built that ecosystem.
1: Yes, yes, it feels good too. You know, like <laughs> how do you know when you try to. Emulate that through life, and hey, listen—you know it's not a perfect world out there. It just—it's the perseverance, and it takes the work, and that self-honesty, and you know it starts internally. And um, I feel blessed. And you know who the book—you know I had the hardest thing I ever did in my life was write a book. The hardest thing. I got sober. It was getting sober was easier than writing this book. <laughs> easier than this. Yeah. And then to read it, the audio version, like, yeah, whatever that motivation, I don't know. I, I was, it was hard three years, three years. And I, it was hard, but I'm grateful I did it and I'm grateful I'm on the other side of it. And now I get to see how people, I get to hear if it helps or not helps, you know, I get, I'm open to all feedback. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be flowery and good. Trust me. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I took myself off of Google alert long time ago, <laughs> years ago.
0: What if for, you know, it, it's funny. The title of my podcast has motivation. and I tell people, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Motivation is an emotion, right? So it's not always there. So you need to find purpose, passion, all the, the, why you were talking about earlier for you. You know, it's funny. I've had other individuals on the podcast that, Have written a book either the first or second time, and they're like, it is exactly what you said. It is so much work. I can't believe, you know. I had the former. I think she was the chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson. On I interviewed her. Badass. Love this woman. But um, you know, she came out with her first book too, and she said the same exact thing. What was that driver? Right? Was it? what you were just hinting at, right? The impact that the book is going to have on people's lives, or was it this piece of kind of paying it forward because you got this opportunity, you know, what, what was in the back of your mind in the, over those three years of late nights or hard work saying I'm doing it for reason X and Y.
1: The fans, honestly, the fans of the show, Um, thousands of emails and messages. When are you going to write a book? We love to take leadership lessons from you. When are you going to write a book? And I, I felt like I had to do this because the fans wanted it. And for me, being on television and connecting with the fans is probably one of the, the best feelings ever. You know, you also have <laughs> the people who don't like you and that's fine. You're not, you know, you got to have that balance, right? So you got to know what's bad to feel good. And I just felt an obligation to them because they kept asking. And I thought, what's holding me back? Even if I didn't get a book deal, I would have still written the book. I started writing the book and then I got the book deal with Hay House. And what I couldn't ask for a better fitting because I got sober reading Louise Hay. Hay House, you know, of all the houses and I interviewed with a lot of them it was Hay House. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is like full circle. And to be able to, to write a book in a story form, because for me, I had to do what resonates with me. I read a book, uh, Shackleton's Way, Leadership Skills by Ernest Shackleton. The only way I could read that book, it was in story form. I'm not a textbook person. I got kicked out of 11th grade. I'm not text friendly. Like, do you know, feel like I'm in class. This book is all the stories that I had through the years of being a captain and how I navigated that, how I got through from the mess I was to where I am today and how it was interesting. Cause I did have a collaborator and we interviewed my past crew from years ago. And you know what I found out? I was a pretty good leader. Way back then, and I was like, "They still like me, <laughs> you know, and you know what, and I remember thinking because i I think because I came from the bottom and the only way to go was up. Pink sings about that. I've already seen the bottom, I have nothing to fear. that is truth in my life. I've been there, so I think when I got sober, I got this job, I went and got my license, and I got this job being a captain that I started out of the box in sobriety, learning and changing character and learning how to navigate personalities, find in each individual what their strengths were and using them and utilizing that in my job as a captain. Because listen, we are a floating resort. We're in entertainment. We are a Michelin star restaurant. We have you know, a hotel where it's about turndowns and chocolates on your pillow and, you know, the finest of the finest people pay a lot of money. How do I take a former lawyer that decided to go to sea, be a stewardess and do turndowns? How do I show them, Hey, it's really, you know, about, I cleaned a client's shoes to show my first officer that I'm not above the work. I had a guy, he goes, Hey mate, can you clean my shoes? I saw my first officer's face. I grabbed the shoes. I cleaned the shoes. Because we're in the service business. And if you were a lawyer or a doctor and you decided to get in the maritime industry, we all have to start at the bottom. It isn't like just because you went to college to be an attorney doesn't mean you come on a boat and begin on the bridge. You have to learn every department. And I just clean the shoes. I will continue to clean the shoes as a captain. That I will never be above that. Because service is... You know, as a lawyer or a doctor, you're still in the service business. You're providing a service. I think so many people get confused and their ego gets in the way. And I thought, wow, I have this opportunity. I'm newly sober. I got to, you know, work my way up through boating. I'm now a captain. And how do I take the best out of them and the worst and make it work for them in this position? And that was my challenge. I, every time someone would get on the uh, boat and My first officer would hire their team and my chief stew would hire her team. I would ask, what are your strengths? What do you like to do? Like, do you like to sing? And I would utilize that skill and that talent into the mix of being a captain because we're entertainers as well.
0: It's it's reminding me. So I, I travel quite a bit stateside and I was out in Oklahoma City, I believe it was Oklahoma City, and I'm sitting down late it was like the only restaurant that was open. Beautiful place. It was like nine, nine o'clock, something like that. And there was these two sliding barn doors behind me. This gentleman walked out with a computer or laptop in his hand. I said, late night, huh? Just sparking some some conversation. There was like nobody in the restaurant. And he's like, yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, do you do accounting? You work?" Here? Oh, he's like, no, I own the restaurant. And I own the one next door. And I will own the one that's opening right here. He goes, you want to come on a tour? I was like, absolutely. So we walk into this restaurant through those sliding barn doors, and there's a six-foot wide wall with hundreds and hundreds of bottles of wine. And there wasn't a speck of dust in this place. And I said, is this place open? Like, have you opened yet? Oh, No, no, no. And I said, "The place looks like it's it's ready, and he said, "No, no, no, we are people come here for I forget how many course meal it was, like five six course. they're paying for an experience they're gonna be dropping four five hundred dollars to to pay for this experience, and I just was so enamored by his his being and his his going above and beyond and really embedding himself in that service piece, so I said, You know where Give it what's your story? What's your background? And come to find out, this gentleman grew up in Jamaica. Their family had less than like $20 a month to put food on their table for a piece of bread. And he said, I do not want that life for my children or my future. And he worked his face off and he got his break and was the head chef at the Ritz-Carlton in Paris. And since then, I think he is one of, owns the most restaurants in Oklahoma City. His name's Chef Black. I think he actually has a book out, but he was just such a fascinating character. And it was so cool that he experienced nothing. And he wanted the complete opposite. And here he is building by building with three of his many restaurants. And it was just like, what an amazing story, amazing journey that you're on. And he still was taking the time out of his day to show me around his restaurant, a random person that he had just
1: met. Isn't that awesome? Like that, that is. Yeah. Priceless.
0: Yeah. So the book comes out January 10th, right?
1: January 10th. Yes. Very exciting. Uh, you know, you've got to be so fired. Yeah. Up. You know, honestly, I really like the book. I I've read it and reread it. And I just, I actually, uh, I underline things in it. Uh, you know, this is the first copy they sent me. Hey, house. And I just, you know, I'm like, wow, I, I actually wrote that. (laughs) I believe that. Like, it's pretty cool because, listen, when you come from where I came from, to be able to do this is, for me, unworldly. It's wild. It's like beyond my wildest dreams, beyond my wildest dreams. And that's because every day I wake up, I check myself. I make sure that I am fit for the day Mentally, spiritually, and physically, and then I go out into my day, and then I tackle it or I embrace it. It's it depends on how I leave this, you know, how I leave, how I uh, walk out that door, what kind of mindset. It is a choice. People don't realize that you can choose. I don't care what happens in your life. You have a choice to change your day. I don't care if it's in the middle of the day. You can go into that bathroom or. Put your headphones in, listen to a song. Change your mind, change your thinking. It is possible, and I think people don't think it's possible, but it is. You have to want that. If Lee and I have a disagreement, I go. We could start our day over. You can start your day over any time of the day.
0: Yeah, there is no rules. (laughs) We think we're governed by so many rules, right? Okay, yeah, sure. You can't go ninety miles per hour down the road, but it. You have the ability. I love that that you can just restart the day. A fun little fact our body, when it produces an emotion, it only lasts for six seconds. So if you are holding on to negativity or or pain or any of those other things, that means that you are choosing to hold on to that emotion because chemically speaking, scientifically speaking, it doesn't last beyond six seconds. And I think that's important to remind ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. I didn't know that. Thanks for that information.
0: Yeah. Well, Sandy, this has been this has been remarkable. Where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Where can people just tune in? And you launched the new podcast too. So, you know, give a plug there.
1: Yeah. You know, I, you know, thank you for mentioning, honestly, I did that because I felt like Leah and I, everything that Leah went through, I wanted to be able to, you know, make it happen because I feel like she has a story to tell. And so together, and her daughter was on the podcast, like her daughter who went through COVID and school and you know, she's a teenager and I'm like, wow, this is what we need. And I just want to let it, everybody, not for celebrities. Like I'm not, it's not about below deck. It's not about, it's about people in middle America, anyone who's struggling, or if you have advice to give, and that's why I did it. Uh, Find me on Instagram, Captain Sandra Yon, Twitter, Captain Sandy. And honestly, the book I'm so proud of. I'm so grateful for Hay House and Bravo. Tune in. To Bravo, by the way, uh, watch the show. There's so many shows out there now with Below Deck, Adventure, Sailing, uh, Australia, Captain Jason. I had the opportunity to meet them all in one place in, at BravoCon. And then we did that five captains, uh, Watch What Happens Live on the Celebrity Beyond ship it was really cool. Such a great experience. And the book you can buy on Amazon. So thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into unleashing your inner leader with Captain Sandy. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening.